Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Forging the Path. This is a podcast that's all about helping men become the men that God created them to be. And we do that by fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is our trailblazer. And we do that by having awesome, honest conversations with other guys. And today I'm very, very excited to have Michael Creed on this podcast. Hey, Michael, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. My name's Adam, by the way. I don't know if I said that, but um, I'm glad to have Michael here. I've I've not known Michael for much longer than maybe, I think it was nine-ish, six, seven, eight, nine months ago. We kept bumping into each other at coffee shops, and we time. just knew that God was in it, and we finally got together. We, we now attend the same church in town. Michael has an amazing family. Um, shout out to Lynn. His, his other half, they have two awesome kids, and Michael is also a savvy business owner. He's been a business owner since 2004, but the way he's navigated uh, those businesses is full of a lot of God's grace, and I'm excited for you guys to hear that story. So, Michael, let's, let's maybe start there. I would say, first question, can you share some of your story with us and with our audience? Absolutely. Uh, and the navigation piece of the career and the, the business is absolutely something that's a big part of the story. Uh, and the Lord's shown up in a lot of ways through that. Uh, it started out with me, though, right? Like all me, uh, for sure. And we'll get to that. So if you look at my story from growing up, I grew up in a Christian home. I, I believed in God and Jesus. I don't recall a time I didn't, in fact. But I can confidently tell you that I lived until my 20s. Uh, not really caring. In fact, uh, you know, when we had opened up with a prayer prior to recording, the the thing that was, I think, the biggest struggle for me with Christian faith in, in general was not really understanding Christ's sacrifice because I looked at it logically, which is how I'm built. I'm a very logical, systematic person. And I was like, well, of course he died for me because he knew the end, right? Like he knew it was going to be that way. He knew he would raise on the third day and, and all this would go, right? But it took me a very long time, maybe even into my late 30s, to understand that he didn't have to do that, right? Like, he mm -hmm. chose to. And to feel that pain and go through that piece of it was a big part of my understanding. So I was in this logical space for a long time with that. And so that's a big part of my story. Um, you know, I would not say, like I said, I was Christ follower until my mid-20s. But before that, I met my wife. Uh, we were met our sophomore year of high school, so that was 90, 1995. <laughs> um, or, sorry, our junior year, 1995 or 96. I'm not sure exactly when in the year it was, but it's, you know, mid to late 90s. <laughs> yeah, high school uh, sweethearts. High school sweethearts. And we got married in 2001 in December. And, uh, and uh, you know, we could sit here and say that it's been amazing the whole time, but I think anybody who has been married knows that that's not always the case. Mm -hmm. um, God's grace, though, was amazing even in that time, and I'll, I'll come to that in a moment. Um, I was still in college at the time that we got married. We bought a house, and also our daughter was born before I graduated school as well. So oh, I was wow. working full-time, going to school three-quarter-ish time. It took me about seven years to get my four-year degree, though I had to take a year <laughs> off in the middle of that to get Wisconsin residency because I wanted to not pay out-of-state tuition. So it was really a six-year of actual education to get a four-year degree. Um, but yeah, I wanted to get my life started. I, 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 I can vividly remember people telling me I was too young to do things. And I was like, no, 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 get out of my way. Like, I'm going to be something, you know? And, and it really comes back to that upbringing. Um, my dad worked very hard. I grew up on a farm. Uh, we, it was a hobby farm, but we learned a lot through that process of what that like and what hard work was like. And my dad also worked very hard. The farm was actually my grandfather's, but my dad had an insurance business. Um, but our family was definitely, you know, struggling financially all the time. My, my dad got paid once a month. And we would go to the grocery store on that day, and my mom would be pushing a cart, and I, of the oldest of the siblings of the kids, I would be pushing the other cart. And she'd buy two carts full of groceries, and then they'd find a way to make that last for the month. And that's probably the most vivid picture of what a household that doesn't budget looks like. You know, that's really mm -hmm. what was going on here in many other ways. Um, and so there was that. There was the the when school would come around and, you know, people are getting new school clothes and stuff, there wasn't a whole lot of money to be spent on that kind of stuff. And I really, really, really didn't want to live like that as an adult. And so yeah. as a kid, probably, maybe a kid, maybe a teenager, I, I had my heart set on money. There's no doubt about that. Like mm -hmm. I had vivid, I have vivid memories of expecting myself to uh, come back to that childhood home 
in a very expensive car. For some reason, it was a Mercedes-Benz. I don't know why, but that was what I envisioned, an expensive car, right? And uh, so that was, that was what happened. So I worked hard, started working. Turns out that because I decided to get my life started a little bit earlier, it was very difficult to get into the type of work I wanted to do, which was corporate finance, because I didn't do any internships. Um, I was working. Like, I was, life's going, right? We talked yeah. about that already. Um, so I saw an ad uh, on CareerBuilder for a job that promised a six-figure com- uh, income. They, of course, didn't say it was commissions, but that was what they were promising in that time. <laughs> and it was down in Kentucky. And I thought that was kind of cool. I was like, I like I like Louisville. I'm a huge rock climber at that time. We traveled down there a lot to climb. There's a lot of great rock climbing close by. And um, so we went down there, and my wife and I and our daughter went down on a vacation to uh, to climb but I did it took an interview while I was down there I thought for sure it was going to be bogus just because of what it seemed but it was actually a really cool operation a lot of people work in there and it looked very successful and so that was my start in the mortgage industry in 2004 we packed up our eight-month-old kid moved down our whole house down to Louisville (laughs) Um, didn't sell our rental part we had a duplex in West Dallas so we didn't sell it we rented it out and um and moved down there for a 100% commission job. And then about two weeks into my job, after training, they give you a little bit of training, I went live calling leads and closed my first loan and made more money in commissions on that one loan than I did in a month of working at the camera store full-time. And I was like, I'm in, right? And so it was all about just closing as many deals as I could. And, and I did very well for myself. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about that. I, I did exceed that six figure number in that first year, wow. which of course I thought I was amazing. And you know, there was a ton of ego there. Um, but what happened is in that four years leading up to the housing market crash, yeah, 04 uh, to 08, 04 to 08, oh, there was plenty of money. There were a lot of guys of doing what you were doing in those years. There sure were. Absolutely. And the thing was, I, 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 I lived like I grew up right with spending it all so i was uh, spending that money just as fast as i was making it and then there were like i said the ego piece was in there too and so that's why that budgeting is important because the um d- during that time um we had us us our first child uh maddie that that was maybe maybe our marriage wasn't all that healthy at that point and so we thought having a kid would fix it i'm confident <laughs> if i talked to lynn that we would we would say that um and then as God in his humor has it, sometimes he gave us our first child had colic so bad that six months in, we're like, why, why do, why can't, why? Like, what is going on here, right? Like, yeah. it was just awful. Um, she turned out to be an amazing child, though, so don't get me wrong. She's 20 now, which is crazy. She'll be 21 soon. Um, but, um, but those first six months were that way. And then eventually, um, Eli, our son, came around, but that was after I had really had the great encounter with the Lord. And so during this time of living, you know, living lavishly, essentially with the money that was coming in, because I wasn't saving a penny of it, um, the housing market had turned, right? And I continued to live like that for a while. Um, Got myself into almost six figures of debt on credit cards alone, not to mention multiple houses with mortgages and car loans and just loans everywhere. You know, it was, it was gross. Um, and then, then the faucet shut off. Like my business was very young at that point. So there wasn't a ton of referral business coming in. It was almost all refinances, people all over the country. Sure. It was just not, it was not sustainable to handle that. And so we got to a spot where I ended up having to sell a Rolex that I had won as a top producer to make a mortgage payment at one point. I was that close to being oh, like wow. done. Like it was. What it, year was that? I think that was in 08 or, yeah, or 09. I'm not right. exactly yeah, 08, sure. 09. But it was our, t- our tenants had defaulted up here and oh, in Wisconsin, wow. and yeah. we were still living in Kentucky at the time, and there was no money coming in. And the credit card bills, I was literally like moving money from one credit card to the next just to try to keep people happy. I was playing a game for sure with money. Yeah. And um, during that time, I had been seeing these signs that said just crossinglouisville.com on them. There were black like yard signs everywhere that we would see in, in the east end of Louisville where we lived. And um, I remember so clearly trying to get my Palm Pre, which was like the old school, was like one step above the Blackberry. It was like this first smartphone that was out there before smartphones were a thing. It had its own keyboard still, trying to get it to load this website and being frustrated about it. And finally going home and getting this, because these signs were everywhere. Like, what is this? Because it was just a website, just a URL 
no other nothing on the sign. Like and it was called had, what was on the sign? It was crossinglouisville.com. Crossinglouisville.com. Yeah, which that which turns out to be And you're thinking, "Oh, what is this? Is business whatever. Check it out." Yeah, like what why is this what is this advertising? <laughs> like it's marketing genius now, yeah. I think, right? But but I had no idea and I wanted to know like why am I seeing these signs? What is this? What's going on? Like just what, right? Yeah. And um so finally, I was able to get home. I, I remember being so frustrated about it, driving down the road, just like, why won't this load? But of course, not everything was mobile enabled at that point, right? Because yeah. there was just new. But um, uh, got home. Turns out the website was a church plant, actually, that had been meeting uh, in another church in the evenings. And I was like, what is this? You know, so... At that point, the Lord had been coming towards me. Like I said, I, I truly do believe, and I, I'm confident that I accepted Christ as an early age, but just didn't care, and he just let me go. That's what he does, right? Like, he was graciously there the whole time and and let me learn the lessons that I did uh, and, 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 and let me figure out that I can't do this on my own. And I really needed to le- learn those lessons because yeah. I was confident that I could do anything, you know? And that confidence is still there today, but it's very different, you know, when it's just you versus... God than you. There's yeah. no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, but that w- that church, it, it prompted me to go. My wife, I don't remember what Lynn said because she grew up in a Catholic church. She was actually very um, anti-church because when she asked questions in catechism, she got in trouble. In fact, she got kicked out uh, of that. So she was like, I'm just, I'm not interested, right? So I'm not really sure. I don't remember the conversation, like how I managed to convince her that we should go do this. Yeah. I'm sure the Lord was involved there. There's mm-hmm. no doubt. <laughs> were you got, Were you and Lynn attending a different church at this time? No, no we not attending, not, not plugged in into anything. Okay. Nothing. No. Were you and Lynn uh, reading the Bible together, praying together in this season of life? Nothing. Okay, I, I didn't think so, but you know, yeah. you never want to assume. Okay, that, that helps paint the picture a little bit of where you're at and how God obviously, well, hindsight's twenty twenty. He, sure. He had you in his crosshairs. Yes, <laughs> he sure did. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. No, there was no, there was, there was no participation in the faith. I mean, the Holy Spirit, I'm sure, yeah. was knocking on me a lot, and but I was not listening. I'm, I'm confident of that. But there was no active participation, no intentionality, none of that. It was, it, 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 it was literally these signs. Like he was like the crosshairs, like you said, or the, the billboards, literally, <laughs> even though they were small. Um, so we ended up going to that church, checking it out. And the first night that we were, it was a nighttime church, which was interesting to me, meeting in a different church. So they were just a plant using the space in the evening when it wasn't being used by the actual church that mm-hmm. was there, the location. And um, two or three different families came up to us that night, like crazy welcoming, very weird for my wife and I. Um, you know, that's that's the Southern hospitality that can show up down there, but we're Midwesterners, right? So like, what in the world? And the next day, we were at somebody's house for something. Like they were having an event yes. or whatever. And um, that, that started a, a journey of my wife and I eventually making over to Dustin's house, who's the pastor. And I remember so clearly, I mean, I can, I can even picture the table and the tablecloth and all that. And 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 Lynn accepted the Lord at that table with with Dustin talking about wow. it, and that was that was very interesting for me. Um, and then and then I I did I did again. So I mean, if you're gonna if I'm gonna pick a day that I was saved, I would say it was that day, even though I know it was way earlier because that was kind of the that was absolutely the transition point of mm-hmm. that, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, so you know, I think that that's important to understand because we go. There were a lot of things that had happened, and they were all difficult. From from the marriage, to having the first kid, Eli came after. So Eli was born after everything I was just telling you about. So having the first kid, getting into the career where where I was working stupid hours, like twelve to fourteen hours a day. You know, um, turning the lights on, turning them off, kind of a thing, like just to make the money. That, of course, messed up our marriage even more because I was never home. And we were in an area where Lynn knew nobody because all of our family was way up north. Um, But there was grace there, too, because I I can confidently tell you that I'd be divorced today if I would have behaved the way that I did as a, you know, when we talk about as a husband, as a leader in my family or quote unquote leader in my family, and then also just the way that I chased money if Lynn would have had somewhere to go, right? She had, she was stuck. And I, and I, I can't imagine how hard that was for her, but it, the Lord kept us together through that, um, mm-hmm. brought us to this church, uh, brought us to him. 
and and saved our marriage because of it too. There's no doubt about oh, it. Like wow. I am, I'm a hundred percent sure if we lived in Wisconsin, we'd be divorced because she would have been able to just go. Yeah. Right. So, um, that's, and we talked about it. That's why I'm confident of that. You know, we've had these conversations since. So there was some huge, you know, God was working even in just getting us to Louisville yeah. to like, to see those signs, to survive yeah. me, <laughs> you know, and how I was going to be during that time yeah. and ultimately keep us together. Because Isn't it, it's so interesting to like, look back on, we can probably all do this for all of our stories, but we look back on those moments where we're in the pit or we're in the gutter often because of our own doing. And, and it's in those moments where God's faithfulness just shows up mm-hmm. and, he, and he redeems the mess, turns it into something beautiful. Um, but, but when you're in it, in the moment, you don't see that. You know, like, you, like, I wonder how many of you listeners out there might be in your own moment right now. And, and by the way, you, 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 many of us have many moments in our lives, not just one, um, where it just sucks. Right. It just, you, you hate it. But that's where, like, that's the part of our story that's going to be used. We'll tell it years later, and it's going to be used by God to inspire and encourage tons of other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, yeah, I want, it just makes me pray for, like, God, help me to trust your faithfulness, even when times really suck. And know that you'll write, you'll write a really beautiful story out of it. Absolutely. It's just what he does. He and, does. And, and he does it every time. So that's cool. So you're... Yeah, had you not been in Kentucky, <laughs> and then you had to go through all the stuff you went through, and now you're thinking this company, this marketing, this brilliant thing, it ends up being a church crossing yep. Louisville. Yep. <laughs> like, the hound of heaven has taken to the chase, and he's got you. He's got Lynn, Lynn is now saved. Yep. Like, that's crazy. Yep. And so she is- chose to get baptized. She's a very private person. Like, even talking about these things is, is probably going to make her uncomfortable, but she knows it's for God's glory, so it'll be cool. But getting baptized in a public <laughs> yeah. place yeah. was something I would have never thought she would do, and she and did she that did down there. In we both got baptized in there yeah, in Louisville. Do you think she'll listen to this? She will. <laughs> hey, shout out to Lynn. We love you. You're awesome. Love you, Lynn. <laughs> okay, cool. Where does the story go from here? All right, so I think if we fast forward to today, because there's still a lot of additional things that we could do. Um, you know, we eventually got back to Wisconsin, um, and that was during the housing market crash. It was, it, you know, our relationship was good, but we still need to get our finances right, which is that next piece that you're talking about. And yeah. so, um, the we had sold our house in Louisville, moved back to Wisconsin, and literally were unpacking the truck into the rental because we we had four weeks to buy a place, which wasn't enough time even then to do it. Yeah. Um, coming back to Wisconsin, and as we were unloading the truck in Wisconsin, the president of the company called me and said, "Hey, we're not opening up a branch up there anymore." I'm like, oh, good sweet, because <laughs> that was wow. the thing I was coming back it was, to. This what way year to do is that. this? Oh nine. So this is okay. Oh yep. nine. We we understand what the economy is still like in oh nine, um, and now. The job you thought you were going to have in Wisconsin is, it's vanished. It kind of. I mean, we changed, right? Okay. So I ended up working remotely from home, which was okay. I did that a lot in Louisville anyway. But um, due to state licensing, it didn't last all that long because they do a, uh, the state of California, they suspended my license because they did a reasonable commute test and I was too far away from, um, I was too far away from where I worked for them which is fine. The other states didn't care. California did. And, and they weren't wrong. Right. So I was working for that location. I was being supervised properly, but they were thinking that I was actually there because that was before the days of remote work were really well accepted. Right. So we ended up opening a location that was, you know, the size of a closet and calling it a brick and mortar. And it was okay. Cause that's, that met the rules and it worked. Sure. And we did that for a while. And my intention was to never really grow the branch up here until my son was in school full time because I was I worked from home and and we didn't we were we were blessed to not be able to have to use daycare during um, during our kids when they were younger years until school started so it worked out really well with the job to be able to do that um, but you know we were still dealing with all that debt I mentioned on the front end right like the credit card debt that was out of control the car loans the the all the things you know we had sold one of the houses so that was fine and that helped because it was that one that, that, that tenant that it defaulted, we were able to sell it in a time where you're we still able to profit on it before the values of homes had really fallen in that five years leading up to that point. 
But finances were just still a mess because I was still worshiping that as an idol. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, keeping it all for myself, living a little bit smarter, but not that much. And I, I, I really don't believe that that turned around for quite some time. So we ended up... That's strangely encouraging. Strangely encouraging. That, right? That it, that it takes time to be sanctified in all of the many areas we need to be sanctified. You don't give your life to Jesus and suddenly the next day, hey, you're debt-free. You got a promotion at work. You lost 20 pounds and your marriage is back to being amazing and romantic. Like Sometimes, as Christians in America, we, we preach the gospel with a little bit of that in it. And we, we need to be very careful about yeah. that, I think. Yes, eternally, you have an inheritance. <laughs> eternally, you, have, you, you are on your way to streets of gold and seas of glass. Your final destiny is secure. It's amazing. It's beautiful, better than you could ever imagine. In this world, you will still have trouble. Yep. And while you stand before the Lord justified and he sees Christ's perfect life covering you, you're still in this process of sanctification. And guess what? You will be for the rest of your time here on this earth. So, and that's so we, we need to be okay with like, hey, you're on a journey now. And yeah. the Holy Spirit's going to be peeling back the layers, man. And trust me, there's a lot of layers. Mm-hmm. You might think you've arrived after a couple years. And then the Holy Spirit says, hey, we still got to talk about that issue in your life. And you're like, what? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, this is going to take forever. And yeah, it's well, at least on this side of heaven. Yes. Yep. So uh, I like that you had some transformation. Lynn had some transformation, and yet you're still in some process here about some of these very important issues that the Bible does address. Mm-hmm. And you're learning as you go, and the Lord is patient with us, and He, do- he doesn't give it to us all at once. Right. Because it'd probably freak us out, and we'd run away and never want to follow Him. <laughs> very true. Very true. I have to laugh that you you interjected at that point about this because the reality of how it all went down finance-wise was you know, doing what I do, and not so much anymore, but during that time, I saw a lot of bankruptcies on credit reports. You know, bankruptcies there for a reason. I'm certainly not casting judgment towards that. I want to be very clear about that to anybody that's listening because it, it happens and it's necessary in some situations. Mm-hmm. But I was looking at that fast track to your point of like, let's just get the finances cleaned up, just file bankruptcy and, and wipe it out and start over. And that was what I seriously considered. And the Holy Spirit was like, no, 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 no. You spent that money knowing you didn't need to spend it. You bought the things knowing you didn't need to need. And really, while it's going to be wildly uncomfortable, I'm providing enough for you that you can knock this out. It's going to take some time. And, and you know, it, of course, in that moment, I was kicking, screaming, fighting, you know, and I'm like, but I couldn't do it. I mean, eventually, you know, how that all came around. And so that was ultimately the path that he put us on. And, and it started with... Um, making sure that that, that 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 transformation of just coming back to self, and I'll, I'll talk more about this before we're done for sure, but just un- starting with with trusting him, you know, looking at that tithing space. And I want to be super clear that I don't, I don't, you know, giving giving money to church or to whatever ultimately results in more like that, that we can't put that together. Right. It wasn't about that, but that was how he had me start doing was start looking with my finances to others and then worry about that. And that was a wrestle for a long time because when we started to look at, if I'm going to follow this path of what he's saying of, of, you know, honor him first with that money. Um, and then I start looking at what the totals are and what the debts are. And of course I'm like, I could be paying this debt off faster if I just paid this debt off, you know what I mean? Versus going towards charitable means right from the very beginning in whatever way that looked. And there were a lot of different avenues we were looking at that way, but it was very, it was very transformative in, in how I thought about it. And then, you know, if we fast forward today, we're recording this in 2023 and anybody that's involved in the housing market knows it's definitely off right now. It's not like Oh nine, like in market wise, but when you look at revenues and, and, and incomes, it absolutely is. It's way down. And the, the, what the Lord taught me between Oh nine and now and how that finances works makes for a much less stressful. He's got this because he does mindset today than I, you know, that it was when it had crashed the last time too. Mm-hmm. So there was that. And then, um, uh, you know, I think that that kind of brings us into the, the current day and we can talk a little bit more about some other things that, that I've learned through that based on what you have in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's, yeah, let's shift just a little bit now that we kind of got a sense of your story. 
Michael, you're one of the most disciplined dudes I know. And I, I love that. I, I, like, I don't know how many of you out there listening uh, have ever heard of Jocko Willink, but man, this, this saying, discipline equals freedom. He has a book called Extreme Ownership. Highly recommend it. Jocko's got some good stuff that a lot of men need. But when I look at Michael's life, I see it in action. And so, Michael, maybe you can walk us through a little bit about what your morning routine looks like, because I'm a big fan of having a morning routine. Uh, It sets the tone for your whole day, Uh, but it's not necessarily cookie cutter. Some guys are all like, yeah, I get up at 5 a.m. and then I immediately hit the weights and then I, you know, okay, cool. And other guys are like, hey, I I get up at six and I start my day in the word and I pray. And other guys are like, I get up at seven with the kiddos and I help feed them breakfast before I get off to work. And whatever it looks like for you to have a consistent morning routine is really what I want to stress. But Michael, Walk us through what your morning routine looks like and how you got there. I think my current morning routine, I'll tell you in a moment, but I I think it's super important to hit on what you just described of the different ones, because this isn't, it's, I said, it's my current morning routine, Yeah. right? In different phases of life, it's different. When the kids are younger, you know, when I was working from home and, and my son was, was young, young, it was very different. You know, there's, there, there always is that you have to adjust it to the phase of life. But currently I strive to be out of bed by five. That almost never happens, though. There's that little snooze button that wins for generally 20 to 30 minutes every single day. (laughs) Um, So I really kind of count that out. And it's just, especially when it's in this colder season, when it's dark like this, it's just, it's pitch dark still at that time in the morning. And so it's not easy to wake up. And my wife is not a morning person. So it's not like I can, you know, do one of those bright light things where just the sunlight fake comes in, right? Because she's like, no, 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 not at all. Um, So we're very opposite in a lot of ways, including that. Um, But once I am awake, I I always, I'm very much in non-negotiable status with a handful of things. One, my meditation and my Bible study. Now, sometimes I will, and, and that's, that's, for me, that's reading just enough to digest. I'm not a fan of reading. I don't enjoy it. And I don't even really, um, I don't, bring in large chunks of content at a time. Like I I just gloss over after, you know, maybe four paragraphs. So I don't read a ton. And I oftentimes will read ahead of time before my meditation so that I can actually be thinking about that as opposed to just trying to chill my brain. Mm -hmm. Though my son is up many times getting ready for school this at this time. And so a lot of times I'll do my meditation ahead of time um, because I still do that up in, in our room area in our house. And, but I, I know, and I've heard even you guys talk about on the podcast before, I really want to see my son in the Word. And I'm not going to let my son see me reading the the Word on my phone. Like, I don't want to do that. One, he he would have no idea what I'm looking at, right? It could be Facebook or Instagram, not the Bible. So I'm intentional with, if I'm going to be reading my Bible at home, it's actually the Bible. Like, so he can see that I'm doing that. And so a lot of times I'll do that in the morning too. So they don't always happen in the same order. But medita- meditation, Bible study, I always have a tea, a chai in the morning. That's my co- my coffee usually. Yeah. Um, and then a workout will always happen as well, at least at five days a week, working out. And for me, that means lifting. So five lifting workouts a week. Um, and then, of course, followed by a, a clean, healthy breakfast always as well. So um, and then I also get three other workouts in throughout the day, throughout the, the week in cardio. But there can be different depending upon what it is. Oh, OK. So those are flexible. Fit them in where you can. Yeah. Yep, three times, and it's and what that looks like for me usually is swimming uh, laps or mountain biking or something along those lines. And that could be after work, uh, some afternoon. It could be a lunch break, yep. like sneak away to the pool. Like, Correct. Okay. Yeah, okay. all that stuff. Can you? Can I just really quick ask you? What do you mean by meditation? That's a word in our culture that has a number of different uh, connotations, and for most people, I think. I don't know about our listeners, but for a lot of people, it's more Eastern religion. They hear that word, but there's a, there's a Christian meditation on the word of God. Can you, can you elaborate? What, what do you mean by meditation? Yeah, I can. So I actually was trained by someone who would be in that Eastern religion piece. There's no doubt about that. That was, it was something that our company had done quite a while back and they, they modified it when I told them I wasn't going to do some of these things because they like, they literally were going to have some, um, uh, they were going to have us bring fruit to make an offering of some sort. Like they gave us these rules. I don't know the details, but I was wow. like, yeah, no, that's, what? that's not going to happen. Nope. So, um, that's not so, okay. you know, that's so okay. essentially I was like, 
I told the guy that was kind of putting it together that I don't want to disrespect this guy, but I'm not going to go against what I believe, right? And so, but the concept of for what it was taught, but I believe we got a very watered down version of it because of the fact that I had put my foot up for what it probably could have been. To me, it's calming my brain. It doesn't mean anything. I'm not, I'm not looking to, you know, how they would teach in the Eastern religions that you're going to transcend and you're going to get into the universe and in the space and all that kind of stuff. Um, that to me is just slowing down. And for me, that's why I try uh, to read my Bible most of the time ahead of time, because then that is what I'm thinking about and I'm processing and trying to apply what I read. Some mornings, it. it might just be what I already know that I've read in the Bible. Other times, it truly is just, it's almost like a nap, to be frank, where I'm not, I'm just being still, focusing on breathing, and getting my heart rate as low as possible. So okay. does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does make sense. I would I would highly encourage um, any of our listeners out there to to do a, like a scriptural word study on meditating on the Word of God, because some of what you were saying, Michael, is like spot on. You know, you, you, re, you read the scriptures, you can read them slowly, and then you, you think upon them deeply. And you, you, it's not so much trying to empty your mind as it is to fill it with God's Word, God's truth, and, and focus your mind on the words of Scripture. So, uh, I like that you said that, and I just wanted to elaborate a little bit on that. So, yeah, I think that's important in a lot of things, whether it be you know meditation, yoga, other things like that. You got to look into it and make sure you know what you believe before you start getting into that, because it yep. can definitely change yep. how you do it. Yeah, there's some some roots in some of those practices that I I would tell anybody to stay away from. Yep. And yeah, you got to do your homework. Good job. Okay, so uh, your morning routine, thats how long does that take you, all of that morning routine? It can be a couple hours. Usually yeah. I don't leave the house until uh, until about nine uh, now. But I mean, there was a big chunk of my life where I would get up at, and be out the door by six. You know, first up, first out, last one home, back to that whole working, grinding thing now. But um, with the way that our family is and our, our, my wife and son being more night people too, it's okay for me to get home at six, seven o'clock at night and still hang out with them for a couple hours and then, and then go from there. So I do usually leave later than I, that I'm leaving later now than I ever have. But that routine also, I'm not in a hurry. I take my time. It's, it's absolutely necessary for me to be able to be my best version of me the rest of the day. And so it does take some time, but it could be way more efficient is yeah. what I'm getting at. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I think the other thing to point out, you know, I mentioned I work out basically almost every week, eight times a week. That's more than there are days in the week, right? And that can be like, whoa, to a lot of guys, like it's impossible to do that. I just know that's how I'm wired. I'm a very intense, high, strong dude. And I need to, the, the Lord has made it clear to me through the years that this is how I can actually be like a human. Like I can be a nice guy and I can treat people the way that I should is I need to get that energy out. Not everybody needs to work out anywhere near that much to accomplish it. It just depends on how they're wired. Well, let me, let me, uh, I'm going to agree with you and kind of double down because <laughs> this is where we're at as, as a, as a society, as a culture, and especially with men. Uh, let's say, uh, so you work out eight times a week. How many hours do you think that is in a week that you're actually working out? Uh, probably eight, eight hours, Yeah, close to that. I mean, it's eight hours a week. So Michael, close. what if, what if I said, oh man, eight hours, that's crazy. You work out eight hours a week. That's more than an hour a day. And then you turned around and asked me, Hey Adam, how much time do you spend on Netflix a week? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, we don't have Netflix, but what if, you know, what if I just use the average uh, American answer, oh, about two hours a day, so 14 hours a week. Right, right. But you're the one who's crazy because you're spending eight hours a week exercising. Right, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so I just want to, look, listeners, if, if you watch Netflix, that's okay. But I would say we have, uh, we have some we have some things we could probably correct in terms of our health and our fitness. And the Lord did give us this body, this one body for this side of eternity. And it's a temple for the Holy Spirit and we should take care of it. And so one of the things I would encourage men to do is don't look at that like that's some crazy wild commitment when you might be spending an hour or two a day doing something that's totally unproductive, whether it's Facebook, social media, Netflix, you know, Disney Plus, whatever, you know, mm -hmm. maybe you're just watching football games six hours on Sundays like I used to. 
you sure. know, two, three hour games. Mm-hmm. And I got to catch them. What a waste of time. I, I remember, you know, it was about 10 years ago, the Lord just said, Adam, knock it off. Like, this is such a waste of time. My kids were playing on the floor mm, <laughs> in front okay. of me and I was okay. zoning out watching the game. So, uh, so yeah, we cut cable. I mean, I would just encourage guys, it's okay to seem a little bit radical to some people because honestly, what's actually crazy is spending 14 hours a week or more staring at a screen. Right. At the end of the day, it, the radical piece that you're talking about, what seems like crazy, who cares? It doesn't matter. I mean, I, I, I shared in an email earlier this week, you might have seen it even, Adam, that uh, I took social media off of my phone this week. I'm done. Like, yeah. I'm done wasting my that. time on stuff that doesn't matter. You know, I mean, sure, I'm going to still look at it, but now it's going to be intentional only when I have time blocked. It's part of my business. I need to be on social media. There's no doubt about it, but it's going to be intentional only. And um, I was talking to uh, one of my coaches yesterday. He's like, well, what did you think about that? And I, I, I told him straight up, it was wildly convicting how many times I went for Facebook the first day and it wasn't on my phone. Like so many times that didn't even know I was doing it because yep. I became aware the moment that the button was missing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So yeah, it reminds it me a of, lot. Uh, yeah, I, I did an episode a few weeks ago, you know, what are you seeking? And, and, and it all came to me. Like the Holy spirit just prompted me one day, what would your life look like if you reached for God as often as you reach for your phone? Yep. And I was reaching for my phone, some things for texts and emails, but let's be honest. A lot of times I was reaching them for reaching out for my phone for Instagram and YouTube and Facebook throughout the day. And like, oh, yeah, we got to we got to firm up our disciplines in those areas. So how do we as men become holistically healthy, Michael, in the I love these four areas. So we might not be able to go deep on all of them, but if you just make a list of these four areas and write down a couple things, listeners in each of these areas that you could hone in on, uh, you would be blessed. And they are faith, family, fitness, and finances. Very practical, very applicable to all of us. I look at Michael, I look at his life, I look at his business, I look at his relationships, and I see health in all of those four quadrants. So Michael, what do you got for us? How do we become more healthy in those areas? I actually think we can go deep in two minutes. And here's why I think this. So the Bible is very clear that we are not our own. You are not your own, right? And if you think about others instead of yourself in these four areas, your faith, your family, your fitness, and your finances first, um, you will be holistically healthy in those areas. And let me just very briefly explain what I mean by that. With faith, it's the Bible's all about Jesus. It's very clear, right? This is a story about glorifying God and his story for us. Family, if you put your family before yourself, you know, you talked about this in, in recent episodes, too, of just b- b- being a husband, right, and being that father and putting your family first ahead of mm-hmm. yourself, mm-hmm. Um, you, 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 you will be holistically healthy. Fitness is one where you're like, really, how, how can I put, how am I not putting myself first in fitness? But the reality is, is if you're intentionally getting uh, the fitness in, right, you're doing the work in fitness, you are a much better person to be around for everybody. You're, you're able to better serve those that you've been blessed and called to serve. And ultimately that the, the benefit of the fitness, like, you know, the aesthetics of it is just a byproduct of putting somebody ahead of you. It's not the reason for it, but that's what a lot of people go for. Like they're going for the looks, they're going for the muscles, whatever that might look like. Right. Um, and maybe a little bit of mental clarity, but that actually, if they're looking at that from the perspective of somebody else, they're providing huge benefits to others. And then finances, same thing. I mentioned that earlier. Like if you if you realize that the money that that comes into your house is just a, a borrowed blessing, right, from God, and you start using that finances to benefit others and take care of your family and, and through structure with budgets and all that, you can do it all regardless of how much is coming in. You can do all those things. Um, it, it becomes holistically healthy. You stop worshiping those things when you put others ahead of it. Yeah, I love that. So, yeah, it's, it's really, the Bible is very clear that you are not your own. That was a huge, I'm, I'm like, I wrote that down. That's a quotable right there. The biggest lie I've had to confront, and I think a lot of us men have to confront on a daily basis, is that life is a story about you. 
And it's not, it's not about you. And I've had mentors tell me that repeatedly when I'm stuck in a rut about something and I'm looking at it from the wrong angle and they'll say, Hey Adam, it's not about you. Mm. So yeah, with, with your fitness, it's not about you. I like staying healthy and physically fit primarily for the reasons of, I want to know that I could uh, provide and protect provide for and protect my family, my mm-hmm. wife and my kids. Of course, there's a little bit of something to me that's like, well, I want to look good for Claire. Sure. Yeah, I want to I look good for my wife. Of course I do. And then there's a desire in me. Like, when I'm a grandpa, Lord willing, like I want to be able to wrestle my grandkids. I want to be healthy yeah. enough to, to play games with them and to, to go in the backyard and throw the ball around with, with future grandchildren. And, uh, you know, I think there's also a, a way that we carry ourselves that is our reputation a little bit. And so uh, first impressions matter. And I don't want first impression of me from someone else to be, uh, that guy doesn't really take care of himself. Sure. Uh, no, I, this is uh, a body that God has given me and I'm called to steward, at least for now, until, until it turns back into dust. Right. And then he'll raise it up again on the last day. But I have a responsibility to steward what he's given me. And the same applies for finances, for family, for fitness. So the, 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 the faith aspect, but the fitness one is one that I I see some guys, you know, they, they slack on a little bit because they think, Oh, it's just ego. You want to work out every day. No. Well, maybe for some guys, but honestly, no, Mm -hmm. for the biblical man, not at all. I just want to use and steward what God has given me. And I want to be able to provide and protect. I think that's a calling on every man, father, husband, that's really good stuff. So what, um, you know, take us through a typical day for you and some of what your, your non-negotiable first and foremost would be your morning routine, correct? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I track a lot of things that I do for my work and there's three non-negotiables and their meditation, Bible study and workout. That's that. Those are my non-negotiables. Nice. The typical day. We, we talked about the morning already and that's, that's normal. Um, on the weekends, I usually sleep in a little bit earlier, but I, I, I am, um, I strive to be in bed by 10 o'clock every day. So there's this, you know, 5 a.m. to 10 a.m., 10 p.m. kind of scenario there most yeah. days. Yeah. Um, between 9 o'clock and 6 o'clock, it's always work. But those, the job that I have and the work that I do is different. There's nothing about it that's typical. I mean, there's, there's, there's closings, there's podcasts, there's marketing, there's <laughs> videos, there's real creations, there's buyer consults, there's recruitment, there's management related items with teams. So there's so many different things um, that that I do. There's not really a typical day that it does just work, like without going into a very long list of job description stuff. (laughs) In the evenings, um, you know, the Lord's been really clear uh, in the last year that I need to divest myself of some of my responsibilities um, Mm. with things I've said yes to and really be better at simplifying more in that. And so if you were to look back a year ago, I was committed every evening of the week except for Friday, um, all to things that were good, but they were a lot. So yeah. um, Mondays would be uh, our home group leadership for quite some time. Tuesdays and Thursdays would work out to be um, either networking work. I can't remember even because it's been a bit, but most recently Tuesdays and Thursdays were mountain biking coaching, which I like, and it's only a season. It's three months and it's, it's a great workout. They get the two cardio workouts in of the three, just doing that. Right. Um, and then Wednesday I've been the high school small group leader at our youth group for, I think five years now. And that's always Wednesdays year round. Um, and that I still do, but the other stuff I'm not, I'm also not on the board of the camp anymore, the UP Bible camp, um, because I've term limited out um, just a couple weeks ago, in fact, after being treasurer for that organization for the last five years, but I was a trustee for six. Um, and so there's there's really been a just natural divestiture of some of these outside responsibilities. Um, and I'm 100% at peace with that happening mm-hmm. um, to, to really get back to focusing more on my business, but being intentional about it, but also I've got a year and a half left with my son at home before I'm an empty nester. And I want to be very intentional about the time that, that we have with him, that I have with him. Um, and, and so that's different. We enjoy a lot of the same things, especially outdoor activities. He, 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 he followed in my footsteps with the skiing and the mountain biking and all those kind of things. There's plenty of things for us to do together, uh, but there needs to be time for that. Right. Um, and then, and, and then the weekends now that mountain biking is over are kind of back to like where we can actually relax because the older I get, 
the more I need to relax. I need to yeah. like chill because I'm I, I've been going nonstop for <laughs> most of my adult life. For sure, <laughs> you for know, sure. So. I think one thing we don't always realize, especially as hardworking husbands and fathers, is every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to some other things. Mm -hmm. And so you might say yes to that networking opportunity, but in doing so, you have just said no to family dinner time. Right. You know, you might say yes to, I mean, these are good things, but oftentimes, mm -hmm. good is the enemy of the best. Yes. And so, we need to be prayerful and intentional about what we're saying yes to. And I don't want, um, I don't want my kids to have memories of dinners without dad. Yes. And I wouldn't want that for anybody listening. So yeah, be, be careful, be prayerful, be calculated about those things, especially uh, if your highest priority in this quadrant here that we're talking about it, your highest priority should be faith and family. It mm -hmm. should be. And so I'm right. not going to, I'm not going to sacrifice family dinners for other things unless I re really absolutely occasionally have to. Right. So that, I like that you said that. What would you, um, what advice would you give to somebody in, in terms of like, let's just talk a little bit about debt and, and defeating debt, overcoming debt. Um, and how important budgeting is. You you did it. You walked through that. What what advice would you give to people who are facing debt right now who want to get out? I think first and foremost, somebody that's in that situation should talk to somebody else because it's really good to have a second set of eyes on something just to get another opinion on it. Mm -hmm. um, because somebody looking at a person's spending habits can easily be like, do you really need that? Do you really need that? All the things that were, you know, those subscriptions that you were talking about, uh -huh. that kind of stuff, right? So, because a lot of times that, not, not only like the Netflix scenario, like what you were describing earlier, you know, of time, it also is finances a lot of times too, right? So that's sure. an example of it. Um, but having having understanding of somebody who has an experience in that and just walking through it, you know, you, you, you will feel exposed, but that's okay. We have, we trust, find somebody you trust and just walk through you know, and understand there's more than one way to do it with, with, a with, for me, like all the resource I was finding was talking about making dollar budgets, like set X buck, you know, put X dollars here, X dollars there in a business, like as a business owner, most people's pay is very, very much variable, right? You know, so like that would never work. Like I need to know what that looks like. Right. So, so for us, we turned it into percentages. So everything was percentages instead which makes it a little bit easier to navigate because if, if the paycheck is, you know, minimal that month, then what that same percentage goes in, in other ones. But yeah, it's, it starts with talking to somebody else and just knowing there's multiple ways to do it. Yeah. Okay, good. We're coming back to some core principles that are often repeated on this podcast, you know, finding a brotherhood, finding accountability, um, being open and vulnerable with people is often the first step. Mm -hmm. So I, I love that. That's great advice. Um, let's do this. Let's, let's kind of wrap it up with this question, Michael. Um, what, in your opinion, does it take to be a strong, godly man? Yeah, so I knew this question was coming. And I'll just speak as transparent as possible. When I, when I read it, I was like, I am so unqualified to answer this question because I feel <laughs> like I am nowhere near that definition of what I believe a godly man is, right? And so, um, and what I think it to be. And so I had opened up my Bible and there's a, there's a index in the back that says what the Bible says about, and, um, you know, just some of the things, I'm not going to hit them, there are over 50 of them on here of different topics, are like ambition, being a husband, um, competition, emotions, failure, fathering, food, generosity, you know, perseverance, pride, praying, shame, taking risks, and so many other things like that. Like, to be a godly man, you have to master all those things, in my opinion. Like, mm. like that's, that's what I believe it is, and that's why I feel like, you know, I've got a couple of these down pretty well, I feel, a couple. Uh, but there's a lot of them that I don't have anywhere near mastered. I don't even know if I would consider myself to be, you know, beginner, maybe. But we, we often beat ourselves up over that stuff. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of beginner and intermediates and, no, and, and very little mastery in this massive list of things that this book talks about or these 66 books talk about. Mm -hmm. um, and so that goes really back to your point at the very beginning that we're all on this journey. And this is there's no way to just achieve this. We can 
appear to be godly men on the outside, but if we're and to others. But if we're honest with ourselves, in most cases, we have a ton of work to do. And and I I know I do. I've got. I mean, like I said, I don't feel qualified. I don't feel like I even can use that term to describe myself yet because there's still so much work to do. Yeah. So. And I'm right there with you, brother. I th- I think. This is a this is an opportunity for us to fix our eyes on Jesus once again because there is only one perfect man yep. who's perfectly lived out all of those virtues that you have on that list across the table from me right now, and so what we need to do are really really two things: <laughs> put our belief and our faith and our trust in Him. Get your eyes off yourself. Life is not a story about you; <laughs> it's all about Jesus. Mm-hmm. So rest in that. Trust in that. Thank him for that. He did it for us because we couldn't do it on our own. I think the second piece of advice I'm hearing from you is say yes to the journey. Say yes to the process of becoming more strong, stronger, more godly, more like Christ. You just say yes. Just sign up. Like put your faith in Jesus. He accomplished it all. He's the only one who ever will. And now begin taking practical steps each day to follow him and trust him and become more like him day by day. And in doing so, you'll never perfectly master it. Right. But you've begun the journey. You've begun the journey. And I think the father sees when men do that and, and he he rejoices. He's like, yes, Absolutely. that's it, my son. Like you, you put your eyes on Jesus and you started taking the first steps and you'll be doing that for the rest of your life. That's, that's all right. He'll help us along the way. So if any of you out there uh, want to grow in the areas of faith, uh, family, fitness, and or finances, you should have a talk with Michael Creed. Michael, how can they reach out to you? How can they find you? Social media, phone call, email? All over the place. I mean, you Google my name and the word mortgage, you'll find me in a heartbeat because of our advertising, right? So, um, but any type of way you want to, uh, you can get a hold of me. Social medias, they're all there. Yeah. All the things. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Hey, bro, thank you so much for being here. I know you're busy and I appreciate the wisdom that you shared with us today. Thanks for having me. 